Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, getting swept three games to nothing. They are currently now in second place, one and a half games behind Tampa, and the Yankees are just, I think it's five and a half games, either out of the lead or behind us, so... Getting intense, folks. Uh, Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they're getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter, especially after this episode, at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? I'm miserable. I'm miserable. I, I, how how can you not be miserable after that weekend? I, like, there's no joy left. That this is it. Like, all these, you know, Anthony Rizzo's mashing with the Yankees. All these other teams that got their prize possessions at the deadline are, you know, showing them off and they're winning games. And we're sitting here with Kyle Schwarber and sweats in the dugout. Oh, he'll be here at some point. Yay! It just it, I'm miserable. We get swept. We suck. Um, not a good weekend. Not a good weekend at all. The deadline was at 4 p.m. on Friday, so hours before the start of the series. Everybody has their upgrades in their lineups, in their rotation. We're trotting out the same stuff we had in mid-June, you know, so pretty frustrating. And this this should have been a, a series where we did some damage on the second-place team to not only show them that we're going to win the division, but we didn't. And it was just an epic fail. They were firing on all cylinders and we were sputtering. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith, dressed light as normal. I had actually contemplated just putting on a jacket, a hat, (laughs) a scarf, because that just would have made... Uh, this evening a little bit brighter because there was a lot of a lot of disappointment. Only team in baseball that hadn't lost more than three. Well, leave it to the Red Sox to not disappoint. That's four in a row now, and we are just five and a half in front of the Yankees. We literally lost another game. And it's just August 2nd or August 1st. I forget. I think it's the first. Yeah, so <laughs> plenty of baseball to see, you know, what else could happen. Where can they find you on Twitter, Charlie? Uh, Smith underscore MLB. Smith underscore MLB. And Jason. Yeah, it's uh, at Color of the Iris. Color spelled O-U-R. The British way. Exactly. 
the we, right way. We hired a, a British guy at work, and uh, I so want to mess with him so bad, but I haven't I haven't done it yet. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so kind of getting into the series here. Um, Friday night lost that one. Seven to three with Perez on the mound. Most of the damage coming against him. Blew some opportunities on the base pass. Couldn't get any runners in. Saturday lost that one. Nine to five with Nathan Avoldi pitching. And uh, today pitching not quite the problem. We lost that one three games to one, but couldn't couldn't come up with any runs other than the solo shot by Hunter Renfro. So glad we're not facing them. And I we do have Detroit next, if I'm not mistaken. So that should be a get-right series. But I am just glad we are getting off the fake Tropicana lawn. You are not the only one. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? (laughs) If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package (laughs) 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping with the code FANSIDED20, in caps, FANSIDED20. Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Get 20% off free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. So much better at it than I am, Charlie. And you kept a straight face the whole time while I was choking on my water. So... Very good. Okay, so we lost the series, so we're kind of switching up the studs and duds. When we lose the series, we will start on the duds side of the spectrum. Jason, go ahead. Who was your dud for the series? My dud, and it kind of pains me to do this, but it was Nathan Avaldi. Um, started Saturday's game, did not pitch very well, um, only five and a third, gave up five runs. Um, not great. I think one of those was, was Taylor bringing him in when, when he came in, but nonetheless, uh, big game. Nate was not big game. Nate this weekend. And I'm sorry, but if you choose to not add any pitching at the deadline and you're going to roll with guys like Nathan Avaldi, Okay. But Nathan Avaldi has got to be big game. Nate. And I'm sorry, but these are big games. I know it's regular season. I know we still have two months of baseball, but you're in a dogfight for your division. And this is the team you're in the dogfight with. It's not like you're facing Baltimore here. Like, this is a team that matters. And Ivaldi went in there. It was on the road and gave up two bombs and didn't pitch great. He was up to 105 pitches before he got yanked. He wasn't efficient. Um, That's not good enough. And again, I'm sorry, but, like, if this is a guy that you're going to lean on, which is a mistake, 
quite frankly. But if you're going to lean on this guy, he has to pitch well against Tampa. He has to pitch well against New York, which so far this year he has, but that's New York. That's, you know, whatever. Um, he's got to pitch well against Toronto. And if he's going to go in there on the road against these teams and he's going to blow up like this, then all of a sudden your rotation that you were so confident in, uh, so confident in fact that you didn't feel the need to add any more starting pitching, if that's what you're going to roll with, that's not good enough. You're going to lose the division. You may not even sniff the wild card at that point because Nathan Avaldi's been their ace. This has been your ace all season. And he did not look good this weekend. So I know it's one game. I know people don't want to hit the panic button after one game, but it's kind of tempting to do so when it's coming against the one team that you really need to play well against because the Rays are, you know, they're ahead of you now. They caught you. They officially caught you. You're not in first place anymore. You can't, you know, you can't answer the fan base with, well, it's still a first place team. I don't know what you're worried about. Well, not anymore. Not after this weekend. So, um, Evaldi's got to be better. He's got to be better than this. So his next outing, I hope it goes well. Um, I hope that when he goes up against Toronto and Tampa Bay and these other teams that you might see in a playoff format that he pitches better because that was not good to see this weekend. That was a big-time red flag. So as far as Evaldi went, before this game went, um, in his last seven appearances, he's had the blessing of facing the Yankees, and he's absolutely owned the Yankees. He's made the Yankees his dad. They're, you know... He's the daddy. Uh, there's no question there. He's had one blow-up appearance where he gave up five runs against the A's, and that was back at the beginning of July. I'm kind of with you, and I've been saying it. Out of your rotation, you have two guys that are good, two that are trash, and then one that could be 50-50. Evaldi's one of those two guys that needs to be really good. Uh, Pavetta's that 50-50 cat. Tanner Houck's going to be good. And then you already know what Martin Perez and Garrett Richards are going to give you, which is not anything pretty. It's like a Picasso painting slash like Bambi on ice. It's not pretty. You don't want tickets to that. So while it was difficult to see that, this is also a team that does know him. Uh, This is a team he has played for in the past. Earlier this year, he faced the Rays uh, early April, and he flat-out dominated them. A run on three hits in seven innings. So I would love to say it's a statistical anomaly, but he's given up five runs four times this year, um, or at least five earned runs four times this year. Um, Once against the Mariners, once against the Tigers, once against the Houston Astros, once against the Angels, and now the fifth time against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. But I agree with you. Since that crazy blow up against Houston, he's dropped his ERA from 4.1. It had been down to 3.5. It did go back up to 3.71. he still remained healthy this whole time. And that's why I'm a little bit excited because this is the guy where you're like, it's like tape is holding his arm together, but it's like not uh, masking tape. It's not like electric tape that's holding it together. Um, I hope that his next performance is is, uh, is a get right start. I, I, I haven't seen back-to-back duds from him really since the beginning of the year he's been one of our most consistent pitchers and it's not it's not impossible um actually it's not possible to argue that he hasn't gotten injured he's done his job he's doing everything he possibly can to win i just want to call this an anomaly you know every once in a while you're gonna have a pitcher have an anomaly start and once a month he's gonna struggle and uh this was uh unfortunately the only month where he had two of them I unfortunately couldn't find it quick enough. Oh, I have it right here, actually. 
Uh, Tropicana Field, I'm fairly certain, is not one of his better ballparks. You'd think they'd be in alphabetical order, but um, but that's for the Red Sox in general. That's definitely not a uh, good ballpark. So whenever we go down there, I kind of seem to get the feeling we're gonna we're gonna scuffle a little bit, and uh, the, you know there was no exception for uh, Evaldi. God damn it! Where is it? So I'm um, I'm looking at it right now. At Tropicana, he's got a career ERA of almost five. He's had yeah. uh, because of his time there also as a starter. I mean he's he's had the most work uh, at Fenway Park, where the Marlins play, um, Yankee Stadium, and then Tropicana. He's three and five with a 4.92 ERA. He's got 66 career strikeouts and 60 and a third. WHIP isn't pretty. It's 1.21, um, but it, it's that ERA of almost five. And that's that's what's kind of scary. And this this five runs in in uh, what was it five and a third? ERA is over nine in that one because if you're you know five innings five runs your ERA is nine, so it's just north of that. Um, it, it's not great. I mean he's it, it's just it's just a bad start. You know uh, there there's there are stadiums where he absolutely dominates. He loves playing at Progressive. Um, Fenway Park has also been a stadium that he's done a little bit better. He's got 12 career wins at Fenway. He's won more games exactly zero in zero more stadiums. So it's Fenway Park and Yankee Stadium. Those are the two two stadiums he loves to pitch in. Yes, and you need him to be the stopper while Chris Sale is out. And Sale's not coming back for 10 days. 10 not even 10 days ago, we had a nine and a half game lead on the Yankees, 10 and a half game on the Blue Jays. And that's basically been cut in half. And Barrios pitched very well for the Blue Jays today, making his first start six scoreless innings. Anthony Rizzo probably single-handedly won all three games this weekend for the Yankees himself. So Whenever you have an Evaldi start coming up, it's a big one, and you have to win it because you can't rely on at least two other guys in the rotation to get those wins. And it was a it was a brutal loss last night, and I don't have the uh, Detroit series up, but Richards must have a start coming up here within the next game or two. So hopefully, Try game one. Game one. Okay, I knew it was coming quick. Uh, and then it'll be four innings. Then the bullpen will come in. So I ho- hopefully, hopefully it was just a blip, and he he won't get tattooed like that again. I will say this: Arauz didn't help him out on a couple of those errors either, prolong the inning. But Avoldi usually locks back in and uh, gets things under control. But that that Tampa. <laughs> That Tampa lineup is pretty scrappy, especially with Nelson Cruz now in it. Charlie, who is your dud for the series? I mean, anybody that knows me knows that uh, there's only a couple players that will earn the distinction of being the player that I can't stand the most. And uh, this week, it's Bobby Dahlbeck again, who went two for ten with four strikeouts. Yes, he had a home run. Didn't matter. It was pipeline shot. I don't think anybody in the lineup would have done anything worse than a home run. Um, so outside of that, one for nine with four strikeouts and a single. Yet, Michael Chavis got traded and Dahlbeck is still here. So Kyle Schwarber can't come back soon enough to play first base. 
because I've said it. I can't tell you how many shows over 10, probably over 15. I'm done with Bobby Dahlbeck. I have been done with him for months now. I don't want to see him again. He's not worth my time. He's not worth any of our times. And frankly, anyone defending him doesn't know anything about baseball and your opinion doesn't matter. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Dahlbeck continues to frustrate me mainly because I look at him every time I see him flail at a breaking ball outside of the zone or have a bat at bat. And I look at it and I go, this was your plan at first base for the whole season. Just, we're just going to play Bobby Dahlbeck all year. And if that wasn't your plan, then what were you thinking? Okay, we'll ride Dahlbeck until the deadline and then we'll go and get a first baseman because hopefully we can afford one. And then maybe they didn't anticipate the market exploding like it did and getting really expensive, but I'm sorry, like this team is contending now. And at some point you have to improvise and do something else to improve the team and and not just, you know, not just fall back on, well, we're just going to keep everyone. And if the price is too high, then we're going to bail out. Like, and this whole idea of Kyle Schwarber is going to play first base. Are you kidding me? He's barely played first base at all in his career. They tried this. They tried this with Christian Arroyo. Look what happened to him. Christian Arroyo lasted what one game, not even at first base because he stretched for a a bad throw and he ripped up his groin. And now you're going to ask a guy who ripped up his hamstring and still isn't quite healed. Hey, go play first base. It'll be all right. Like, is this the Kyan Bloom way? Because that sucks. That's an awful idea. And if the Kyan Bloom way is, no, we're not going to make sure we'll play first because we're going to believe in Bobby Dahlbeck because he hit a home run this weekend. Didn't you see the home run? He has power. Great. 11 home runs. Whoopee. Like, this guy's not a major league ball player. He's not. Bobby Dahlbeck is a 4A player at most. Um, you know, he'll he'll have a major league career similar to that of like, you know, a Mark Trumbo or a Mark Reynolds where, yeah, he'll get playing time. He'll, he'll sign odd deals here and there in ballparks that are hitter friendly and he'll hit some home runs, but the batting average will always be low. And it's just, that's not good enough. It's not good enough for this team. And it's another reason why first place slipped away from you this weekend and a playoff spot might be slipping through your fingers pretty quickly because you insist on playing this guy every day and it is a black hole in your lineup. And it's a, it's a position where you should have a good hitter at first base. Pretty much any contending team has a good hitting first baseman. That's just kind of a key. So the fact that the Red Sox just completely overlooked that or, you know, just completely miscalculated on that position is just negligent beyond means. It's so bad. So Bobby Dahlbeck is, um, look, he's a young guy. I get it. And in any other season, if the Red Sox were just rebuilding and they weren't contending, I'd say, you know what? Be patient. Let's hope he figures it out this year. I'm I'm out of patience because he's now starting to cost you runs and he's starting to cost you games. And we're into August now. You can't have that. The, the, point of the game where Bobby Dahlbeck really seems to hurt the Red Sox is the final three innings. In the seventh inning all season, he's hitting 167. He's hitting 147 in the eighth inning and 158 in the ninth inning. So he's almost an automatic out every time he comes up in a spot. And throughout this series, 
we were basically trailing at that part of every game. And you talk about stranding base runners. Here comes Bobby Dahlbeck. And it's predictable how the at-bat is going to end. And it, it is costing us games. He's hurting us. And with Kyle Schwarber, like you said, not a durable guy. Not a durable guy throughout his career. I remember back to the World Series year. I didn't know much about Steve Pierce, and he got better as the year went on. And so many times in that month of October, you'd see him basically doing a split to to scoop a ball that that was a little off location. And that's the type of split that put Christian Arroyo on the injured list. So how is Kyle Schwarber going to be in, in a situation like that? And what's the backup plan? What if he doesn't work at first? Then he has to go to left. Who's your first baseman? It still has to be Dahlbeck. <laughs> yeah. That's why. No, it's, no, no. You Didn't you see that they got Frenchy Cordero playing first now? So there you go. There's your backup. They do. And he he didn't uh, get a single start this series or even uh, come off the bench. So I I don't know if, if he did get sent down and I missed it or, or what. But Chavis got traded, so I, I wouldn't have thought he'd be sent down. But... So, yeah, and that that's why Arauz came up. So, not not a good series at the plate. Alex Verdugo, 1 for 11, struck out six times, and he doesn't typically strike out. So, he's always been a low strikeout guy in years past. And... As his batting average slips, his strikeouts are rising. So, a lot to be concerned about there. J.D. Martinez, 1 for 14. He stranded a lot of base runners throughout the series. Had a number of strikeouts. Made some good plays in left field tonight, I will say that. But, not great. Jaron Duran, 1 for 6. I don't know how much longer it's going to benefit him to be up here at this point, uh, unless he's going to pinch run. But any any thoughts on any of them? Yeah, JD had a chance to kind of win it for them tonight. Um, didn't come through, and so just kind of a bad, bad sort of a clutch hitting series for him, uh, which is kind of what you need him to do at his spot in the lineup. And then Jaron Duran, like, okay, are we done with this now? Like it? Can we can we officially say it was too soon to call the kid up? I I know everyone wants him to be the next Willie Mays, but he's got a long way to go. Okay, I know he had that wonderful hit in New York. I know he had a home run, and uh, we can't stop replaying that base hit that he got because Rognet Ordor bumbled the ball and he turned it into a double. Woohoo! Yay! A lot of speed! Yay! Um, congratulations. He looks like Jared Dyson. Like that. That's not anything exciting to me. So, um, and again, this is probably a guy that. Uh, Bloom wouldn't trade because teams are probably asking for him in in terms of uh, players he could have gotten at the deadline, and Bloom held on to him. So uh, he does not look major league ready. I, I said it when he was called up. I'll say it now. Um, send the kid down or just, you know, figure something out there because he's not ready. He's not. 
One for six, four strikeouts. You literally struck out 67% of your at-bats. This was one of the concerns coming up, as was the concern for Bobby Dahlbeck, but Jaron Duran has the benefit of not being Michael Chavis and will continue to get leash, um, and people will continue to be upset as long as the Red Sox keep losing, and that's going to keep happening when you have this player in the lineup. Um, He's just not ready. Uh, He'll have a, a momentary... Uh, he'll have a moment where he can go off. The home run at a triple-A ballpark, that's great. But you know what? Who didn't have a home run that series, you know? And then there was that inside the park uh, at bat where he got credit for a triple. Um, And then the base error, which allowed him to come all the way around to score. Um, I just, this isn't going to be his year. Uh, 2022 is going to be the time that he should have been called up. He never should have been called up this year. He never, it never should have happened. This shouldn't even be a discussion right now. So it sucks that this pressure has now been put on him. And even worse, the clock started. So we, we double messed up. Because instead of Duran out there, you got Schwarber literally, what, two and a half, three weeks later? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I, I don't know what Bloom is thinking. A mistake on his part, among others. He's made a lot this year. I would honestly send him down for at least the month of August and see if that can get him right. Maybe he can come back in September and, and provide a little spark at that point. But I, but then again, we do have some bad teams coming up, so I, I don't know. End of the rotation, Martin Perez, four full innings, gave up seven hits, six earned runs, walked one, only struck out three. That was in the first game of the series on Friday. Yaxel Rios that night, two innings, did give up a run, walked one, struck out two. Salamora came in, didn't give up an earned run, but didn't look sharp, walked a couple, gave up a hit. Was somewhat of a a stressful inning on his part. Adam Ottavino only stayed in for two-thirds of an inning. Gave up three hits and uh, three earned runs, struck out two. And then it was actually Austin Davis that came in and drove in all the base runners Ottavino put on. So nonetheless, Ottavino is going the wrong way. And he was the eighth inning guy almost exclusively. Pitched a few ninth innings when, when Barnes wasn't available, but... He sounds. He seems like he could be in danger of losing his job fast. Yeah, the uh, bullpen's looking a little shaky now, which is a major concern because the bullpen was actually overperforming, I would say, through the first half of the season. And now that you've got guys like Martin Perez and Nick Vivetta not making it past the fifth inning, you need that bullpen even more. The bullpens and and bullpens get taxed for contending teams every year. I mean, as soon as you get into those playoff formats, it's like that bullpen uh, is going to be used a lot. Um, I don't know that this Red Sox bullpen can hold up in a playoff series or even an important series down the stretch. It just it looks like they're kind of falling apart at the seams. So that's another major concern. Again, that's another area you look at and you go, why didn't you at least add a legitimate bullpen arm? Because I'm sorry, but Austin Davis, not a legit arm. Sorry. Uh, not. And this Jaxel Rios, who they picked up out of nowhere, not a legit arm. So 
that's another area where you look at and you go, why didn't you add there? You, you didn't do anything there. You're, you're going to roll with this group going forward. Okay. I mean, good luck because get more outings like that from Ottavino. You're not going anywhere. Well, we got hands on roadways. All like right. The, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. So, it's, it's so stupid. Like this month has been absolutely terrible for Ottavino. Three of his last four appearances have resulted in two runs or more getting allowed. Three innings, he's allowed seven runs and seven hits. He has struck out three guys, walked two, still hasn't given up a home run, thank God. But this is just, you saw an ERA go from 2.54 to 3.86 in four appearances. I'm sorry, but I mean, this isn't, this team is completely just unfolding because if, if he can't get right, who do you, I mean, Ottavino, in my opinion, is no longer your eighth inning guy. I think that Josh Taylor's earned that right to be your eighth inning guy. He's more than done the work. Um, Ottavino should be used sparingly. And it's sad because this is after the All-Star break, and he's already doing this again. Like, really? What happened? What did you do? Did you, like, take a vacation vacation after the All-Star break? Because before the All-Star break... This is a guy with a 2.68 ERA. They're just cruising. Now you just suck. Like, what the hell happened? I'm just, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, everything's going to be all right, because clearly it's not. We're getting worked. We've faced a lot of divisional opponents who have gotten a lot more looks at him, so maybe that's one of the culprits behind why he's getting hit. He's a fastball slider guy, and they seem to have figured him out. So maybe you just, like Charlie said, use him sparingly in a sixth or seventh inning scenario, and you have some combination of Sawamura, Taylor, and and Barnes in, in the last few innings. So, I mean... Hopefully they found something in, in Robles. Robles hasn't been good anywhere he's pitched outside of 2019. And it's a long shot to me that he's going to find that with the Red Sox in this division. But maybe he, maybe he can go on a run these next two months to, to kind of stabilize that bullpen. I also, the Red Sox, Red Sox starting pitching uh, in the last uh, several starts here. Actually, I just had it. Yeah, last seven games, uh, Red Sox starting pitching in 30 innings pitched has given up 29 earned runs. So almost one earned run per inning. So that's an 8.70 ERA, a 1.68 whip. They've given up nine home runs and only averaged four and one-third innings per start. So Chris Sale can't come back soon enough. I mean, that's essentially what they're banking on, which is majorly concerning to me too because Chris Sale's not going to come back and pitch seven inning games. He's going to come back and pitch like three, maybe four at the most. They're going to have him on a very strict pitch count, um, almost kind of like a Garrett Whitlock situation. So, and that's that's another narrative that is just going right up my keister is the whole well, our trade, our deadline acquisition was a skinny left hander that we got for free. 
his name is Chris Sale. Like, all right, guys, geez. Like, seriously, that's going to, because that's going to be their excuse for not doing anything. It's, well, we got Chris Sale coming back. Yeah, sure. Barring that he doesn't have a setback uh, and barring that, you know, he can only last two to three innings. I mean, if Chris Sale comes back and he's not 100% and he's going three innings and giving up, you know, three runs and not looking totally sharp, then you gain nothing. You just got Man and Drees back. So they, they better hope that Chris Sale comes back and is like a tour de force because if he's anything less than the real Chris Sale, then that narrative goes out the window and they look like even bigger morons. It's it's going to be interesting no matter what. Uh, Chris Sale is one of those players that you you absolutely unequivocally cannot rush. You cannot. You have already wasted almost two full seasons. We already did not make the decision to opt for surgery fast enough. We could have had him at the beginning of the year, probably at 75-80%. If you lose Chris Sale, if you lose Chris Sale, you have already lost the 2021 season. There are some people out there that think there's, a, there's still a chance that the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs and make a deep run. That's not happening. Chris Sale's not there you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. This is a sub-500 team the rest of the season. I don't care what you say. If you think that this is a 700 team, your opinion doesn't matter. I don't give a damn about your opinion. You literally are getting cracked from your starters that are supposed to do their, you know, supposed to get work done. You have no faith in Martin Perez. You have no faith in Garrett Richards. You're praying to God that Nick Pavetta can get his job done. And you put all the pressure on Nate Evaldi and Tanner Houck. And you're praying that Chris Sale is healthy. Three innings would be a, a, a blessing because he labored his last start. And he's pitching in the minors for one start, maybe another. There are some that think he should already be up here. Why? Why? Why rush him now? There's no point. You gain nothing. And here's the other thing. Chris Sale comes out, gives up seven runs in two innings. You're going to keep trotting him back out there for a third, fourth inning? Hasn't happened so far this year. Martin Perez throws 65 pitches and, and Cora goes, no, nope, you're done. Even if you've thrown five, six innings, 65 pitches, 70 pitches, they pull them out. So, no, you have to be super smart with with Sale, and anything other than that would be completely unacceptable. I'm not really worried about his health at this point. I think he would have had a setback by now if, if he was going to have one. If I'm worried about anything, it's just what's his location. He labored a little bit. Uh, either yesterday or the day before in his start with uh, Worcester. So what's that going to look like against the major league lineup? Here's the uh, here's the other uh, good news or bad news. Uh, I was just looking at the schedule. He's going to pitch with the Worcester Woo Sox on Thursday. That's going to be his final rehab assignment. So that puts him on track for either August 10th or 11th. If it's the 10th, that would be five days rest. If it's the 11th, that's that's an extra day, obviously. But that game will be at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. Pretty scrappy lineup, as we've been seeing. So that's that's a tough that's a tough lineup to to face in your first start. That'll be at Fenway Park as well but i could see I, I mean if it goes bad he's out of there in two or three innings 
because they've scored a few runs. He's probably labored. His pitch count's probably at 60 or so by that point, and they're not gonna they're not gonna stress him out more than he needs to be in his first start. So I think that's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, he's amped up, goes out there and takes care of business. So a lot of damage can be done uh, in that span. I was also just looking at the schedule as well. It gets pretty easy in the second half of the month. We Well, we've got Detroit for three games. I thought it was four, but uh, just a three-gamer. And actually, Monday is an off day. Um, so, yeah, Detroit for three games. That's pretty easy. we got a four-game set against the Blue Jays. Uh, two of those games are seven-inning games because of the double header on let's see saturday then we've got tampa again so tough series back to back with toronto and tampa we've got baltimore for three games and we've got new york the yankees for three games then we've got texas minnesota and cleveland the next three series and we'll have chris sale for those tanner Houck will be presumably in the rotation for those as well. And we do end the month with the Tampa Bay Rays, but if we can just get it together here for a few few games at least, maybe we can uh, tread water here until we get to that easier part of the schedule. But over to the stud side, it's hard to do that with a series sweep. But, Jason, who are you the most impressed with? Yeah, not much to go on for this series. But uh, I was talking about the bullpen earlier, and the one guy who kind of looked really good out of there was Josh Taylor. Um, he had a clean weekend. Um, I know Saturday night was a little bumpy, but I think that was mostly because of the defense that let him down. Um, but otherwise, ended the weekend with three innings pitched, four Ks, didn't give up a run. Um, he's He's been awesome, and... I was worried about him at the beginning of the year. I thought he looked kind of cooked and just didn't look like himself, but he's really turned it on. And uh, there's no, you know, there's no downplaying the value of having a good left-hander coming out of your bullpen that you can throw in the late innings. So um, I'm still mad they didn't add anybody to this bullpen, but at the very least, I think Josh Taylor is a guy that you can now trust him going forward. You can trust him in big game situations. I think him and Barnes might be the only two that I feel completely confident in when they're in the game. So, um, you know, it, it was a good weekend for him. He did his part, um, but the bullpen still concerns me. It's still really shaky. So hopefully other guys, you know, not just Taylor, not just Barnes, but other guys start to step it up because they're going to need that big time. But at the very least, Taylor's been awesome. And I think you can count on him. Agree. And I was just talking about this. I said Josh Taylor is, is the person who I think has earned the right to be in your eighth inning uh, slot over Ottavino. Uh, he came out three, he pitched in every game. You know, in, in the third game, obviously, he only threw two pitches, but who cares? Uh, he still had a ridiculous game, too, um, where I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he struck out three. Did he strike out three in an inning in a third? He still didn't allow a hit. And in the first uh, game he pitched, he allowed a hit. He still struck out one. So you have a guy who now in two and a third, or two and two thirds, excuse me, had four strikeouts, allowed uh, one hit. This is what you want. This is what you need to set up Matt Barnes. 
all this other garbage that you have trotting out there, it's, it's not going to get done. This is your eighth inning guy, and this is someone that everyone kind of downed after the first series of the year. He's proven that he should be given um, the opportunity to be the main eighth inning man. Um, that's it. I mean, he's been stellar. Him and Barnes, 8-9. Taylor's definitely the second best reliever in the bullpen right now behind Barnes. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, he's not the best reliever in the bullpen, to be honest with you. Barnes has been still by far having the best year of his career, but he just doesn't quite, that curveball doesn't quite have the bite it had before the banning of the sticky stuff, but to his credit, I mean, he's still, Barnes is still solid in the ninth inning. Having said that, though, and getting back to Taylor, he had that insane run where he had, I think it was like 27 scoreless outings. It was almost 30. And I thought, when that run ended, I thought, well, geez, you know, he's, he's probably going to go on a skid at this point. You know, that's what happens. They're going to, he's going to scuffle for a little bit. But he really hasn't. He really hasn't. He's remained solid the whole time. He might have had one or two bad outings. I don't have his game logs up in front of me. But extremely solid. Extremely solid. And he's not somebody I worry about when they come out of the bullpen. And more than anybody this season, he's gotten more than three outs in a lot of appearances. He's been asked to get four or five outs several times and did it uh i think uh what was that game two but one of my favorite players i gotta get a josh taylor shirt (laughs) i'd be the only one at fenway wearing one and that's a tragedy because he has been that good uh looking uh through oh actually charlie go ahead my bad skipped you no that's okay who's your Um, stud yeah, my stuff for this one's Kike Hernandez. Uh, Kike hit uh, 429 for the series. Progressively got better with each week, uh, each game. So one for four with a single and a walk. Two for five with two singles. Three for five, three singles. So six singles and 14 at bats. Still just one strikeout. So your strikeout share is fantastic. You still got on base a uh, uh, seventh time in 15 at bats. Almost half your at bats. You did your job. You got on base. You did what you needed to do. And unfortunately, it was your team that let you down and could knock you in. And there were no opportunities for you to knock anyone else in because the team just wasn't able to get on base for you. But, I mean, this is someone who's been able to slowly but surely bring the batting average up from 236 up to over 250 for the first time since late April. This is someone who's working really, really hard to get back into the swing of things and someone who was not getting the love and support in the uh, leadoff spot and now has very, you know, calmly gotten it done. It, it feels like April, in in May, he still had some success. But then you saw the batting average off from like 260 down to 220 in a matter of like a week and a half. So it feels like April that he hasn't hit 250, and he's finally back up there again. So he's he's grinding, and the month of July was fantastic for him. He had six homers, 15 RBIs, hit 274. The month before that, he hit 230. He had three homers. It just wasn't happening. Everything is starting to click. Everything is starting to work. He's doing his job, and I I can't say anything bad about it. I mean, the walk numbers are up. The strikeout numbers are down. Everything is up. His on-base percentage was, was over 380. So keep it up, please. Just keep doing this, because if you don't do this and the pitching continues to do what they're doing, 
Oh, God. It's going to be eventful. Yeah, I couldn't ask for more from Kiki Hernandez right now. And I was hard on him when they signed him because I sort of said, okay, you're paying how much money for a career 240 hitter? That doesn't seem like great a great bargain. Um, but, you know, Kike is an energy guy. He's he's a winning ball player. He's an energy guy. He gets things started. Uh, look what he did tonight. You know, two outs facing Matt Whistler, who I'm sorry, it's pathetic that this offense can't score off of Matt effing Whistler. But at least Kike got on. He got on base. He got it started. He got Devers up to the plate for the potential, you know, go-ahead run. Um, unfortunately, Red Sox couldn't pull it out, but that's just kind of what you can expect from Kike Hernandez in big spots. And if the Red Sox are going to make it to the playoffs or they're going to be playing in a wild-card game, you want this guy up at the plate in a big spot because he's been there before. He's got postseason experience. He knows how to win, and he knows what it takes. He's always going to give you a good at-bat, um, and he's going to play great defense out in the outfield. So um, – I'm a big fan of him. I, you know, again, I was down on him when they signed him, but I stand corrected. He's a big part of this team. Um, I want him to kind of stay where he is right now because, again, I, I just think he kind of gets the ball rolling on offense, which the offense has been a little bit dry lately. So you need KK to kind of be that catalyst and to be that fire starter. So um, if he keeps doing this, that's great. And just hopefully the rest of the offense wakes up with him because they need it bad right now. The Kike stepped up. No, no question about that. Six for 14. Like Charlie said, the unfortunate thing about this lineup is if Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, if two of them aren't having a good night, there's nobody else that really does step up. And, and Kike did this series, but you need you can't have Verdugo being one for eleven. You can't have the bottom third of that lineup being automatic outs with Dahlbeck and Arauz down there. So props to him for for doing it in the leadoff spot for getting on base. Did so in every game, but they very seldom got past second or third base in the series. So. Uh, any other honorable mentions? Christian Vasquez, 4 for 12. Hunter Renfro, 3 for 11. Hit a home run tonight. I think he and – I forgot to fill out my home run category. I think it was only he and Xander who, who went deep this series. Um, Xander was 3 for 10. So not a lot outside of that. Pavetta was 4 and 2 thirds, gave up 3 runs. You'll take it. This is a team that he pitches well against, so I'm not, like, celebrating, oh, Pavetta's back on track because he's going to have Toronto next. And so I, I guess we'll we'll see in his next start exactly where he's at. But, but gave us a chance to win tonight nonetheless. And uh, Garrett Whitlock, two innings. He labored in, in one of them. He had runners on the corners, but ended up getting out of it. Thoughts on any of them? Yeah, I was surprised to see Pavetta pulled as early as he was tonight. Um, you know, I, I what was his pitch count again? He was he was not seventy six. Yeah, I mean seventy six pitches. He seemed like he was doing okay. Um, 
I mean, the bullpen didn't give up anything after that, so I guess you can't really second guess it that much. But he looked he looked pretty decent. And again, I, I think Charlie kind of nailed it. Like he's kind of a coin flip guy right now. Like he's either going to give you a really good start or it's going to be eh, not so great. I don't think he gives you disastrous starts. So at the very least, like his job is safe, and you know he should be fine going forward. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it was just kind of a quiet weekend for all of them. And Garrett Whitlock, it's nice to see him go in there and pitch well. But again, this is a guy that you look at and go, well, okay, we're not really going to see if you're worth the investment until next year, if you can crack the rotation and, you know, pitch six, seven innings and be a valuable starter. Because right now, like, sure, it's nice having him out of the bullpen, but he's kind of a future investment guy. So uh, it's nice to see. I think he will be valuable down the stretch, but we won't really know his true value until 2022 when or if he makes a rotation. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see that too. Um, Nick Pavetta at 76 pitches was, that was like a Martin Perez 76 pitches. You know, it didn't feel, uh, it didn't feel like he was completely done, but I also had a good feeling that Whitlock was going to pitch tonight just because of the numbers. He was averaging close to 20 pitches. Um, it felt like 20 pitches an inning. I, doing much better than that, actually, you know. Um, it was more like, uh, oh, God, was it five times 15, 15 pitches an inning. It's not bad. He probably could have pitched another, you know, finished the fifth and pitched the sixth. But Whitlock, we knew he was going to come out for two. Um, I'm happy that Taylor came out to just finish that one out. Um, I thought Whitlock was going to just pitch the next three, and then that was going to be his uh, appearance for the next three, four games slash days. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of, it just, it felt very weird because once we, once we went down 2-0, we, we fought back for a run. The fifth inning kind of kind of kicked us in the face, and we tried to come back, and it, it just didn't work out. I'm curious to know what Cora's mindset was going to be had Pavetta had a lead. Would he have gotten a little bit more leash? I don't know, because at that time we were down we were down 3-1. to one. So I don't know. I, I want to have faith in Pavetta. I just want to call this one a dud because Pavetta needs to <sighs> – Pavetta needs to have multiple good starts together. He's the the 50-50 guy. Because Hauk and Evaldi are your good guys. You have Perez and Richards as your as your duds weekly, essentially. And then Pavetta is your wild card. He's going to do well in some weeks, and that's when three of the stars will do well, and he'll do poorly in others, and that's when you won't win. Um, you'll have a, a sub-500 uh, rotation that week. So I just hope, I hope he can write it, write the ship. I guess I'll just say this before we move on to the the Tigers preview. If you're going to have a lineup that's built around three players, like I just said, you better have a pitching rotation because you're, they're not going to get the run support. And two of those guys, Richards, Perez, an automatic loss every time out. If the other team loses shame on them and then Pavetta like Charlie said a bit of a coin flip I feel like it, it's been mostly tails every time I, I feel like we've been losing a lot of his games I think his ERA is north of five uh, since early June so pitching has to be better and the lineup has to be better you got to be firing on all cylinders and you have to be in sync with each other. Two of those losses, the lineup wasn't good because 
the, the bases got lo- uh, loaded, got stranded once or twice. I think one of those was with zero outs and nobody scored. And then uh, today the pitching was actually good and uh we only put up uh one run two runs excuse me so we got to be better detroit though that's a good get right series uh game one we do have well we have garrett richards pitching so and we have pavetta pitching so who knows but uh garrett richards versus willie peralta peralta having a pretty good year ERA at 3.64. However, he did get tuned up pretty good in his last start against the lowly Minnesota Twins. And uh, the other bad team in their division, the start before that was Kansas City Royals. Gave up five runs against them. So 11 runs in his last two appearances. The Red Sox will be coming off of an off day. So that'll be on Tuesday. So can can the bats get to him and offset the four or five runs Garrett Richards is going to give up? I would love to say yes, um, because it is the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Tigers absolutely and completely suck. Um, but I just don't have faith right now. I especially with Garrett Richards on the mound. I just see him getting tuned up early because it's Garrett Richards and that's what happens. He gets tuned up. Um, so I think he's going to go out there, do his usual three and a third with, you know, five runs given up and he'll get yanked early and do his usual, you know, just kind of uh, shaking his head, you know, just slumping off the mound, looking depressed and all that. And then that's going to rub off on the team and they're just, that's going to be one of the games that they can't come back in. So um, I don't like it. I, I think Detroit's going to win that one. Does anyone really want to hear my opinion about Garrett Richards pitching this year? Like, does anyone really want to hear what I think is going to happen? He's going to lose game two. All right. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give that one to Detroit, I guess. I mean, how do you give it to Richards? How do you do it? Like, is a gun at your head? Do you feel that good about it? I mean, that's an automatic L. We've lost five out of six, and we have zero momentum. So unless Cora had a team meeting tonight, flipped his desk over, whatever. I, I don't – yeah, I don't think he's that kind of a manager, unfortunately, but – uh, but yeah, I'll I'll give that one to Detroit. Uh, game two, a little bit better of a matchup all the way around. Eduardo Rodriguez versus Casey Mize. Mize is coming off of a seven-inning scoreless outing against Baltimore, so that's not too hard to do. He only struck out two people, though. That's weird. Uh, and then start before that against Kansas City. Um, did get hit for uh, four runs, only lasted four and two-thirds. So I, I guess for this start, we just, above anything, we want Rodriguez to, to right the ship, mix his pitches a little bit better like he had been leading up to that migraine start. And then the last start, that was two starts ago, and his last outing he was just completely flat. So 
we want to we want to see him sharp and and back to his pinpoint location as as he had been the three or four starts previous yeah hopefully he's uh razor sharp but uh i don't know casey mize is a badass and and he's got good stuff i mean he, he's been their top pitching prospect for a number of years so i know his record isn't you know all that stellar this year i know he's had some ups and downs i know at the beginning of the year he was really struggling but uh i also just i think too like part of my and maybe this is just a me thing i feel like this is comerica park is one of those ballparks the red sox just don't play well when they go there you know no matter how good the tigers are if they're bad or they're good and the tigers have been bad for a number of years and i just feel like every time the red sox go there it's disappointing we expect them to take two out of three or a sweep and they just can't get it done i don't know comerica park just is one of those bad ballparks for them so uh i i don't love game two either i i think casey mize is going to outduel eduardo rodriguez i think rodriguez has not been sharp lately um and i just i think they're going to lose that one too Two for two. I don't think they're going to win this one either. Casey Mize is a better starter in this one. Um, I don't care that he's a rookie. This is essentially free fall. It's the stock market crashing. This is a team that's won one game in their last six. And after this one, it'll be one game in their last eight. And very, very good chance that the Yankees could find themselves just three and a half games behind the Red Sox for uh, taking the second spot in the division. I think that Detroit has this one too. I'm going to go with the Red Sox on this one. Um, you know, Rodriguez 5.60 ERA on the year. Doesn't look good on paper, but it is a contract year for him. He's He's been to the playoffs with us. He's you know, he's been with us in bad seasons as well. Some of those John Farrell seasons. We got to win a game in this series. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's going to come game two. Third game of the series. See, when I saw Detroit on the schedule, I'm like, Oh good. But these pitching matchups are not, uh, not great. Uh, Martin Perez versus Tariq Skubal. Scooball. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I've never seen this guy. I've never seen his name before, much less seen him pitch. He's gotten tuned up a little bit lately too. Scooball. I, that's how I'm going to pronounce it until uh, we see the game and see how Nesson pronounces it. But he did give up four runs against a bad Baltimore team. Five and two thirds start before that. Again, he also pitched the Kansas City series. Gave up five runs against them in five innings pitch. So we could be catching him at the right time. Uh, Perez just looks absolutely terrible out there. Looks defeated on the mound almost every time. Alex Cora doesn't trust him. Even even in a good Martin Perez start, if the third time of the order is coming up, he's coming out of the game. Cora doesn't trust him. So, and, and Martin Perez doesn't seem to trust himself. So, Detroit starter, not very good. It could go either way. But, Jason, how do you, how do you see it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be generous, and I'll give this one to the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> and that's me being generous because I don't trust Martin Perez either. I'm without score on that. 
Um, but I don't think uh, Tariq Skubal is very good. I think he's a young pitcher that Detroit rushed up to the majors. Um, I think he's like 22. Like he's still really young. And I think they were hoping to wait on him for a little bit, but they just had no one else in the rotation. So they rushed him up and he's kind of been getting hammered now. So um, I think the Red Sox should get to him. I don't think this is going to be a pretty game. It's going to be ugly because I, I think both starters are going to struggle. But um, I think this guy is a triple-A pitcher right now. He, he doesn't belong in the big league. So if this offense is everything it's cracked up to be, the Red Sox should score plenty of runs. Even if Perez doesn't have a good game, they should be able to outscore them. They should be able to steal this one. Yep. This is the one that I also have uh, them winning, and this is one of the only games that I'm going to give the – Perez Day a chance here. Um, I also had them winning this one. I had no faith. It was either they win game two or they win game three. I like Casey Mize a lot better. He's got a, a much better ERA, a better record. Um, I don't think Scooble's that that great. I'm also I think it's Scooball. I'm not hundred percent on the pronunciation. Um I if they get swept against Detroit though, this is that would be terrible. So I'm I'm just praying they win at least one out of the one of the three. I've had six straight series called correctly. This could be number seven. So let's see what happens. Before we wrap, if we do get swept or even lose two out of three, that's code red for our oh, season. One hundred percent. Yeah. If if you certainly if you get swept. But if you lose two out of three to the Detroit effing Tigers, who might probably are next to Baltimore, they're the worst team in the American League. Time to hit the panic button. Yeah, you effed up at the deadline. Everyone else got stronger, and you're losing to Detroit. You've got a problem. Agreed. And and we got Toronto next, so for four games. So... (laughs) It's uh it's it's a dire situation right now. I mean, by the end of the week, the Yankees or the Blue Jays could be right on us for second place. And you're still a handful of games away from from sale coming back. So wish this episode was a happy one. Unfortunately, it was not. We will be back in 24 hours for Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. That's always a fun episode. That will be out Tuesday morning for your morning commute. And then, of course, we'll be back on, let's see, Thursday night to discuss. Actually, I think I screwed it up the whole time. Are we, I think we, do we play tomorrow? I think the next Monday is the off day. No, I did have it right. Tuesday. (laughs) We'll be back on Tuesday. So that would be a Thursday night show to talk about what did happen this Toronto series. I'm just as frazzled as the Red Sox. Everyone have a good start to your week.